Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Well, I have to admit, my voice is uh, a tiny bit better today. And I don't, I actually don't know if it sounds that way on the podcast, but it feels that way in that uh, it hurts just a tiny bit less to speak. But I think I still, you know, I, I can hear it in my hair, my uh, my earbuds while doing the show. I, I, I'm pretty sure I still sound like I'm I'm dying. And I want to assure you all, and and I, I know that this is something that gets said with laryngitis every time. It sounds way worse than it feels. You know, it's not. You know, I've got my kids here, and that's it's hard to get their attention if I can't raise my voice. So there's a lot of like you know, hand cupping over the mouth going on. But in general, it doesn't really hurt. I had the cold last week, so those symptoms are basically gone. You know, minor lingering congestion, but very little. All that's left is just, you know, for a broadcaster, this is uh, debilitating laryngitis. So uh, we're going to have another in a, a slightly more brief episodes of the podcast today and for that I I do continue to apologize I just I want to get a show out while I can uh when I have this nice delightful warm glass of water nearby I have a nanny here that's allowing me to to sort of buy myself time to record in three or four minute chunks take a break sip the water try to relax the vocal cords as best I can see if you can there's this this constant feeling like I could just clear it out, whatever it is that's blocking things up. But we all know it doesn't work that way. And so we forge ahead because, damn it, if there's one thing that I'm going to do in this world, it's maintain my stupid fantasy NBA Today Iron Man streak. No matter how mucked up my voice gets, gets we're going we're gonna to do it. And of course, the problem is that my entire way of broadcasting goes down the toilet because I'm all about the energy broadcast. I can't do a show where I'm just rolling monotone the whole way through it, and yet I don't really have a choice. So thank you for bearing with me. If this is the week where I lose half of my listening audience to other podcasts, I, I really do truly understand because I'm having trouble listening to my own voice. And I can only imagine what you poor souls are feeling right now. I say that, of course, as a preface to... Hi, everyone. Welcome to Fantasy NBA Today. This is a sports ethos presentation, and I am your host, the voice formerly known as Dan Bespris. You can find me on Twitter, at Dan Bespris. I'm trying to do even more on social media when my voice doesn't work, because I know we're not covering everything in quite the same detail this week on the podcast uh, I want to assure everybody we will have five shows a week throughout the holiday season. We do not skip days in there. Um, same deal, you know, just the way we handle the off season as well. There are, it's five shows a week forever. I'd, I'd like to be doing this, honestly, I'd like to be doing this as long as people are playing fantasy basketball. So uh, a couple of holidays aren't going to stop me. And then most of you that have listened to the show for a long time know that I uh, celebrate Hanukkah. So... Um, family obligations don't tend to really overrun me on Christmas Day. Uh, that's a Sunday this year. I know Monday is the, the national holiday, but uh, 
If you're wondering why it's easy for me to do shows on those holidays, that's the answer. Let's take a look back at Monday's card. I don't want to spend too much time on anything else because, again, every word I say is sort of being counted against how many I can squeeze out of my throat right now. Cleveland decimated the Utah Jazz in the early game. This was sort of the uh, first post-trade game for both sides. Donovan Mitchell, Lowry Markkinen, all eyes were on those cats. And they were actually both relatively good in this ballgame, but the best player in it was Jared Allen. He was awesome. 7 of 11 shooting from the field, made all six of his free throws. And after what I would deem to be somewhat of a quiet start to the year, Allen's been playing a whole heck of a lot better. He's pushed himself up into, uh, I think he's in the 40s now, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, 47. So he's uh, only just slightly behind his ADP after, again, that very slow start. And I almost feel like I need to pause, but I want to get through this game first and then kind of cycle back to this idea uh, of the guys that are kind of running a little bit late on the great leveling that we always talk about on the podcast. Again, I don't have the energy to do the, the kind of long tangential road that I would normally want to do on that discussion, but let's see what we can can peel off here. Uh, Walker Kessler, 26 minutes. He missed some free throws in this one, but continues to be extraordinarily productive since his move uh, into the up the pecking order. I'd like to say into the starting lineup, but he's into the starting lineup right now because Kelly Olynyk missed this game with a turned ankle. Uh, but for Kessler, uh, he's, he's fantasy relevant in 18 or 19 minutes. So the fact that his minutes have trended up the last two weeks into... You know, more like the twenty-two to twenty-five range. It's it's an extraordinary difference. In fact, he's top fifty over the last two weeks. That's despite bad free throw shooting, uh, particularly in this last ball game. He's not taking all that many. He's not a great foul shooter, but you know, he's not going to be twenty-five percent. And the reason he's been so effective over that stretch is that he's shooting a DeAndre Georgian. De- Jordanian, DeAndre Jordanian-esque 76% from the field. He's, he's pretty much exclusively dunking. So he's been a big-time field goal percent contributor. The blocks have been excellent. The rebounds have been very good. There's just a ton to like. And again, that's only in 23 minutes per game. I don't think that number's getting a whole lot higher when the Jazz are healthy, meaning when Olenek is in there uh, and then we saw Larry Markinen miss a couple games, so the, the minutes may be a tiny bit inflated on the Kessler side, but uh, he, to me, feels like a rest-of-season play, and uh, I'm glad we made a pretty good-sized bid on him in, in the fab side, when even when Markinen was out, because it just it felt like there was a little bit of a, of a changing of the valuation on him. Uh, Mike Conley was a little bit better in this one. Seven points, nine assists, a couple of steals. He's uh, normally sits out the back-to-back, but now it sounds like he might give this one a go. So check your lineup. Make sure that if you have Conley, you have him uh, ready to rock. Malik Beasley was terrible. And this, of course, is the rub with Beasley, is that if his shot isn't going, there just isn't stuff to float his other value. It's why I've been a little less bullish on him than some folks out there in the fantasy community. It's why I think he continues to be a pretty reasonable fill-in stream here while Colin Sexton is out. Um, But as this team gets healthy, I don't think that he has that tag beyond that point. And then with Jared Vanderbilt, 
uh, the up and down season continues. He has one giant ball game followed by three or four very quiet ones. He keeps bouncing uh, in between, you know, the 80 and 130 range. It's very hard to get a feel of where he's going to end up on a week to week basis. I think, look, I wouldn't fault you actually if you moved on from Vanderbilt. I don't, I don't think that it's going to be one of those things. Like everybody that's between 80 and 130 is relative, not everybody, that's not fair. Um, but most of the players in that range are not fantasy team difference makers. They're guys like Vanderbilt and Ivica Zubats and Jaden McDaniels and Kentavious Caldwell-Pope and Isaiah Stewart and these guys where if they weren't on your team, you almost wouldn't even notice. So... If you want to punt on Vanderbilt, I don't care. You could turn him into a streaming slot. If it's Roto and you know it doesn't hurt you much to have him on your team, there aren't that many guys bouncing around that have the ability he has. But you know, like if if he was the guy you needed to drop to pick up Jalen Duran two weeks ago or Thomas Bryant when AD went down, I don't care. It's really it's not it's not critical. The guys that are critical are generally the guys that are seventy five or higher. Those are the dudes you don't want to screw around with. And then the guys that you sort of don't want to touch are the guys that are like 140 or later. And then there's this big, big bubble in between those two markers of guys that are fairly interchangeable. Um, the point I wanted to make on Jared Allen, looping back around to his side before we plow through the rest of the card from Monday and oh, heaven forbid, uh, save me from myself over here, is that it's not entirely clear why Jared Allen is a guy who is taking a little bit longer to settle in. Yes, he missed a couple of ball games earlier in the year, but it was nothing significant like the way that uh, we're seeing with Chris Paul. You know, he's up to 40% shooting now on the year. And so, not surprisingly, CP3 is up to number 43 after sitting back near 63 games ago. Okay, you know, he's needing more time to find his stroke now he got off to a slow start field goal percent wise but that's beginning to come around Demonis Sabonis was another one who's taken more like six weeks to actually start to hit his stride and that I think probably had a lot to do with figuring out what is his exact job was going to be on this iteration of the Sacramento Kings uh, LeBron James is another example of someone who was hurt early in the year now he's found his groove. The field goal percent is back on the way up. The free throw percent is lower than we'd like with LeBron. We kind of banking on him to be closer to 75. He's at 71 right now. But he's also been someone on the move up the board. Damian Lillard is another name of someone on the move up the board who missed a bunch of time early in the season. It's a pretty easy example. Uh, all of those guys are easy examples to that fall into the it-takes-six-weeks bucket. These guys that needed time, either in relatively new situations or injury-related, to hit that great leveling. So what, what we should probably say is that it's not so much six weeks into the season that the great leveling occurs, even though for the vast majority of players that is indeed the case. And in fact, it's really more of like 25 games for a particular player is when you get that great leveling. Because Dame is at 19... LeBron is at 22, CP3 is only at 17 games. 
Jared Allen, meanwhile, actually just hit his 25th ball game and continues to show signs of trending upward. So that one's the one that's a little bit weird. Perhaps you could blame it on the addition of Donovan Mitchell, kind of figuring out a new pick-and-roll buddy. But he's a little bit more the exception to the rule. And something I want folks to keep in mind in future seasons is if there are one or two guys that continue to shift pretty hard even after the six-week mark, uh, they tend to be more the anomaly. De'Aaron Fox is actually a really good example of someone that's been trending the, the downward direction, got off to a really hot start, and now 26 games into his year, he's down near number 50, has been had a good ball game yesterday, but generally has been trending down after the super hot start. So it does kind of work in both directions. 25 games, that's your marker, typically. Philly beat Toronto 104-101. The Raptors continue post somewhat sickly box scores. OG Ananobi was back. He's uh, played 41 minutes in this overtime game. Chris Boucher kind of came out of nowhere here to play 30 minutes. Big, big surprise given that they had most of their main dudes back. No Gary Trent, but that usually doesn't mean it's immediately dropping down to Boucher. It's just too tough for me. I, you guys know I love Boucher. You know I've, for multiple years, we've been trying to play the, you know, if the right guys are out for Toronto, Boucher becomes that uh, Roto Games Cap friendly guy you could drop in for one or two days. It's been a little harder this year to know when those games are actually going to happen. Head-to-head side, you could probably make it a slightly easier case because then at least if there's a game where he's kind of bad, like sandwiched between a couple of that he's better, you don't have to worry as much about the one-game sample as you do if you're using a game a games cap on it. But on the Roto side, I don't think that I can trust it. And then Freddie Van Fleet uh, slowed down after a couple of really nice ball games. He'd been trending up in, in an excellent way. Uh, fell back to number 37 after yesterday's ball game. Uh, and that's actually game number 25 for Van Fleet, but he'd been someone that was trending upward thanks to, again, mostly field goal percent, which was extraordinarily low. It's still pretty damn low at 38, but tick him up another, say, two percentage points, if that's all we get, uh, then he pushes up into the second round as well. I have no notes on the Philadelphia side. DeAnthony Melton was just bad, and he'll be better in the next one, so don't worry about it. Atlanta barely beat Orlando. They had a good lead in this game, and then the Magic came roaring back. Once again, the mighty Wagner brothers have been at it. Uh, Mo Wagner, 16-10. and 10, As long as he's starting, you are starting him. He's been an unbelievable stream uh, for Wendell Carter Jr. and overtook Mo Bamba in the pecking order in the process as well. Markel Fultz, 24-6-9. He's actually strung together a few good ball games. And the question that I kept posing on Twitter as we looked um, sort of the, the players to watch posts that I try to do in the early afternoon, they kept saying, hey, between Fultz and Cole Anthony, can either one of these guys clear that hurdle and be kind of the, the one true point guard? Of course, Jalen Suggs isn't back yet. And at least for the last you know, three-ish games or so, it's been false in each one of them. And of course, he's doing it without the three-point shot, which we knew was going to be the case. It's mostly points and assists and steals, but the, the field goal percent has also been excellent. Uh, and so with Fultz, who 
I think the last time we talked about Markel, it was sort of like this very tepid hold, which was we got to see... <sighs> we got to see what we can do to give him time to figure this out, for it to flip one way or the other. Um, and he's he's been playing better, so hopefully that has then bought him a little more leeway with different teams. On the Bull Bull front, that's another kind of buzzy name right now. I think if you can get him for a top 100 range play, I think you'd do it. And my thought process on Bull is, and I want people to, to really pay close attention to the nuance in the way that I describe this. I don't necessarily know what's going to happen with Bull Bull. I don't know that anybody really knows for sure. There's probably like a 60% chance that he just fades into obscurity after his crazy hot run to start the year. But there's also a 40% chance that either he just kind of levels off as like a top 75 range guy, or he pushes through this thing he's dealing with, which is an Orlando team that's been generally playing better. They're not going to let him just go out there and make a crap ton of mistakes. It's a little bit like what we saw with Chris Boucher last year, where the Raptors had to rein him in, and now that the Magic... You know, they had, this ballgame snapped a six-game winning streak for Orlando. They were actually playing pretty damn well. So they can't afford to have Bull Bull just out there trying to run one-man fast breaks and losing the basketball. They're actually valuing possessions and trying to win games right now. So Bull's going to have to figure out how to play within the scheme of what they're doing. It's not just freelancing and go nuts. And that's a learning curve. But if he picks it up, in the way what we saw Boucher do for like the middle two months of last year, then there's an interesting chunk of upside built in. So the reason that I throw that buy offer out there on someone like Bull Bull, if you have like a 98 ranked guy that you could flip off into the wilderness, you wouldn't miss them. That's the point. You know, if you trade Avisa Zubats for Bull Bull and they and Bull stinks the rest of the year. Your team really isn't going to miss Zubats. He's been awful after his hot start. And, you know, there's not much in the way of signs that it's coming back for Zubats anytime soon. Kevin Herter, uh, Jared Vanderbilt, who we just talked about. These guys that, uh, they're not they're not big difference makers for your fantasy team. They're guys that just sort of hold the boulder from rolling over your face, but they never push it forward. If you could trade them for someone who has a 40% chance to push the boulder forward, I think I would generally do it. Again, even if there's a 60% chance that it falls on its face. On the Atlanta side, uh, John Collins back. Uh, DeJounte Murray back. So that meant way less for Bogdan Bogdanovich to do. You hold on to Bogdan right now. He still started the ball game, still played 34 minutes, but there's going to be a learning process to being pushed down in the pecking order. In addition... Uh, Anyika Okongwu moved to the bench, and John Collins got the start at center. Collins was on a 20-minute limit. So uh, if that number, which we assume will go up for Collins in the next ballgame, Okongwu is in jeopardy of losing his streaming value, even with Capella out for another probably week to week and a half. A.J. Griffin had a good ballgame, but I don't care. You can leave him on the wire. Same story for DeAndre Hunter. He had a better ballgame, but uh, as we've seen enough of those two guys to know that their fantasy styles just don't really gel uh, to creating nine-category value. 
Milwaukee still without Chris Middleton. He's already listed as doubtful for tomorrow's game. Extremely annoying season. Maybe the most annoying season of anybody in fantasy sports. Precisely because we got fooled into thinking he was close to healthy to start the year. Uh, No notes really on the Milwaukee side. Lovely to see Brooke Lopez pop off for 30 points. For New Orleans, Larry Nance Jr. dealing with a sore Achilles. I mean, this again, this is the story with Nance. He plays really well for a few weeks. Something knocks him out. I'm holding on Nance and Roto Leagues in head-to-head. You might have to move on just because what he does is better suited for Roto anyway, and you simply can't take zeros. It's just impossible. Uh, with both Nance and Brandon Ingram out, Trey Murphy wasn't still wasn't really able to get it going. He made all six of his free throws, but his usage has plummeted. I think the rigors of a long NBA season are, are kind of wearing on Trey Murphy, and I feel more and more confident that as that team gets healthy, uh, he's probably not going to be a startable play, with the caveat, as usual, they may never get healthy. Meanwhile, the mighty Herb Jones, five steals in this ballgame. He probably pushes himself, and this might be Brandon Ingram related as well, uh, but Herb has been good the last couple of games. He's an add and start guy, I think at least, while Herb, Orala, Ingram, and Nance are each out, at least for the time going. And then, no surprise, with no backup, Jonas Valanciunas went nuts uh, at the center spot. 37-18, and 18, biggest game basically since his first two games of the year. Maybe you get another, since Nance probably misses another ball game. Uh, and then if you can unload JV for anybody inside, really the top 80 after a couple of good ball games, you absolutely do it. I'm talking more than I should, and it's hurting me. San Antonio beat Houston 124-105. Uh, Keldon Johnson took this one off, and Kata Bates-Jopp played 27 minutes. He seems to be a relatively safe fill-in. Anytime we hear that Keldon is getting a uh, physical breather for a night. Jakob Pertl, five fouls in 22 and a half minutes. I think his minutes cap is probably going to move up to about 24 in their next ball game. He's probably startable in about 24 minutes. He did get a couple of blocks in this one, so that was useful. Um, still hasn't quite looked fully right this year on the Pertle front, but if you have him, I think you can probably begin now to start him on the Roto side. And if you have Zach Collins you can probably feel relatively comfortable that his minutes are about to get low enough where he's no longer a startable fantasy play. Over on that Houston side, and you guys can hear my voice fading a bit. I don't know why we're still doing this Eric Gordon crap. Just please pull the plug already so Tari Eason and KJ Martin can go get some actual playing time. Uh, At least Eason got up into the 20s in minutes in this one, but, you know, the story remains the same for Houston. We just wait and wait and wait on them to stop with the veteran nonsense. OKC got the win at home. Pretty crazy ending to this ball game. Teams just trading buckets. Shea, 35 points, another 14 of 14 at the free throw line to push his way back up into the number three. No. Excuse me. He's tied. Uh, well, that's a four-way tie. How the hell did that happen? Last I looked at I guess it hadn't updated. Uh It's basically a four-way tie for the third spot right now. Jokic, Curry, Shea, and Joel Embiid. Um, And what Shea's doing at the free throw line continues to be ridiculous. Setting new standards for how valuable a free throw percent guy can be. I think this might be the best free throw shooting season in like the last 10 years, but I'll 
try to look that up over on the uh, the social media side. Again, of course, that is at Dan Bespris. As far as the rest of the Thunder are concerned, I'm not doing the OKC roulette wheel anymore. I'm done with it. I don't care about Jalen Williams playing 33 minutes. I don't care about Lou Dort. I don't care about Aaron Wiggins. I don't care about Alexi Pokashevsky. I'm over it. You can't fool me anymore. Uh, Nurkic sat this one out. He was a bit of a late scratch. Drew Eubanks got the fill-in, played relatively well. Super low usage, kind of a low-end big guy play, but uh, does, does fit what a lot of teams are trying to accomplish if we get enough warning next time uh, on a Nurkic absence. Minnesota playing surprisingly well right now without Cat and without Rudy Gobert. Uh, and that is because Anthony Edwards has gone buck wild. They've won three games in a row, including a couple of relatively decent wins. Luka Doncic got ejected in the third quarter, so maybe this one would have been different down the stretch. Hard to know. Christian Wood uh, started this game because Maxi Kleba's out for a couple months with a torn hamstring, and Dwight Powell's been beat up, and now Dorian Finney-Smith hurt. What the hell was this? Was this a back? No, that was a core issue for DFS. I honestly don't know what the Mavs are going to do with all of these guys out. One would assume that Christian Wood continues to start at center. It might be Reggie Bullock at power forward because Tim Hardaway Jr. was not healthy for this ballgame. So if he's back, maybe they go with a Bullock-THJ small forward, power forward combo. We'll see, I guess. Davis Breton hit six three-pointers in an interesting little footnote on this game. Maybe he starts to see minutes in the 20s. I don't think I would make any preemptive moves because a lot of these guys we've talked about haven't really been all that close to fantasy value anyway, at least in terms of names uh, like Dorian Finney-Smith, Davis Bertans, Reggie Bullock, guys that have come off the bench uh, or around the higher usage guys on the Mavericks. Nas Reed. Has there been a better fill-in center for anybody this year? I think the answer is no. He's been unbelievable filling in for Rudy Gobert. Another colossal game for Nas. He played 40 minutes. Uh, Austin Rivers got the start at shooting guard here. I mean, it's it's a, it's a weird set of lineups they're trotting out there in Minnesota, but they're working right now. Uh, I don't think I'm picking up Austin Rivers. I know even if he's starting alongside D'Lo... I think uh, with Jaden McDaniels, he's someone that does need to remain on your fantasy team. Nas, of course, is an easy fill-in for Gobert. Uh, but when Rudy comes back, then that one tips on its head. And then, obviously, enjoy this Anthony Edwards run because his usage has skyrocketed, and so has his position on fantasy boards. He's up to number 42 now. Remember, he was like, what, 160 after the first three, four weeks of the year? And he's been going crazy. Uh, the Zombie Lakers. I don't think we need to worry about this one because uh, Russ and LeBron and Reeves and whoever the hell else, oh, not Anthony Davis, those guys will all be back for the next one. Thomas Bryant, absolutely poly- Do not let him get dropped. Don't let him get dropped. If he's floating around on a waiver wire, he must be added. The Lakers are being unbelievably cryptic with the Anthony Davis stuff. Um, and, of course, it does make me quite nervous that They haven't put out a real set of information on AD. They've said it's going to be at least a month, but it doesn't seem like they even really know anything beyond that. So additional testing, whatever the hell they're doing in LA, this might be... Thomas Bryant is a top 75 fill-in because his field goal percent is going to be good. He's actually a decent free throw shooter for a big man. 
He gets points, rebounds. Uh, he'll hit a three-pointer or two. Not a big-time steals guy, but if he's playing generally starters minutes, he'll probably luck into like one-and-a-half defensive stats per ball game, which, again, uh, that part probably does limit him not getting above top 60. Uh, but, you know, you, you might be looking at six to eight weeks or whatever this is with AD or more even of Bryant just being a starting caliber center on your fantasy team, being like a seventh round type pick. So that's actually a really big deal. Uh, for Phoenix, we talked about it a little bit. Devin Booker, they're going easy on him. He dropped almost 60 points, and then they've said, oh, by the way, his, his uh, hammy and groin are still a little bit sore, so he's taking some time off. I'm not too worried about it. Booker looked amazing in the game he played in between the injury days off. Um what I'm not going to do is get too crazy, meaning Bridges obviously is a play. DeAndre Ayton, he's a he's good to go because he's back now. Chris Paul, I think Chris Paul's a top 30 guy the rest of the year. And then Torrey Craig is, I think, a relatively safe play with Booker out because there's just enough, there's just a little bit more available to him that isn't there when the main dudes are in play. And I know you're. If you, I guess I have to talk about Dennis Schroeder on the Lakers side. He had 30 points in this game, but all of that was because there was no LeBron, no Russ, and no Anthony Davis. It's a pretty easy call to just say, okay, well, you know, one night stand kind of deal in fantasy. Uh, Lonnie Walker continues to be just barely above the cut line, and every game I feel like we say the same thing. So you know, whatever. I think that means we can probably just keep doing it. Right? If he doesn't give you a reason to switch it up, don't switch it up. <laughs> All right, so look, I live in California. I'm in Los Angeles. But I like watching Warriors games, or at least I did for a while. What about now? I just like watching games of the teams where my players are. And that used to be a huge pain because they didn't always show their games in my area. If I had to wait for ESPN national games or pay a 200 300 for league pass all that good stuff but guess what this season i discovered an amazing trick that lets me watch every single nba game live for a fraction of the normal cost and it's called express vpn here's how it works the nba offers league pass which lets you stream games online but if you live in the u.s or canada it doesn't let you watch all of them some games are blacked out whether that's due to geographical issues or national tv deal issues so what do you do you fire up expressvpn and use it to change your location to a different country yeah i know you could be anywhere buy and use the nba league pass from there and whammo no blackouts you basically get what you paid for depending on the country nba league pass could cost less than 15 bucks for the whole year because of well again what country you're in so expressvpn Works on your computer, your phone, your router, consoles like Fire TV, mobile devices. You can watch all your games from any device. And even when I'm not watching the NBA, I use ExpressVPN all the time for stuff like Netflix, Disney+. Plus. You can access hundreds, sometimes thousands of extra pieces of content that are only available in other countries' libraries. So enjoy all 1,200 games of the NBA season in HD with the world's most trusted VPN our buddies at ExpressVPN. Use the special link and get three months free at expressvpn.com slash hoopball. 12 months, 
That's the membership. You get three months free. ExpressVPN.com slash HoopBall. E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N.com slash HoopBall. Use ExpressVPN to sign up for NBA League Pass at a huge discount and get those extra three months on a one-year package. We save you a truckload, and you get more out of what you're paying for. Check them out right now. Last game to review from yesterday, Charlotte at Sacramento. This is, uh, this is a bad loss for the Kings, and I'm not happy about it because you guys know I've got that Kings season win total over bet. Can't be losing these games to Charlotte, Sacramento. You're, you're killing me here. Um, you know, Gordon Hayward, 19-5. and five. He still just doesn't look quite right to me. I do feel like this is an opportunity for him with Terry Rozier out now. He had an opportunity earlier this year with LaMelo Ball out, and he was sitting outside the top 130. I don't know. I, I remain somewhat low on Hayward. He's number 194 this year on a per-game basis. It feels like it should be better, but it just isn't. I can't even really put my finger on why. 16 points, 5 boards, 4 assists. It should be better. But his free throw number's dragging you down. His field goal number's dragging you down. His turnover number's dragging you down. His blocks are dragging you down. His steals are dragging you down. And even his three-pointers are dragging you down. Something's wrong with Gordon Hayward. And so if, if someone else in your league was the, the person to pounce on him coming back from injury, I don't think you're going to care all that much. And then another note on Charlotte, P.J. Washington has completely fallen off a cliff. He looked like a guy that was locked into at least being kind of a late-rounder this year. Now he's at 129 and showing really no signs of turning it around with a brutal field goal percent. Do you have to hold on to him? No. Should you? Probably yes to both of those guys. But again, I, I maintain it's just not that critical. They're not guys that are about to launch into top 60 valuations. It's just not happening this year. Uh, over on the Sacramento side, Harrison Barnes left this ball game with a quad injury. Doesn't sound super serious, but if he does have to miss a game or two, you'd assume Keegan Murray probably just sees a little bit more, and then uh, you'll get that hot hand stuff going on again with Malik Monk, Terrence Davis, whoever comes off the bench. Uh, they'll just see a little extra playing time. Could be Davion Mitchell. Kings will probably just go a little bit smaller. Uh, you might even see Trey Lyles get more than five minutes. Like he might get 11 or something like that. But uh, you're not about to make a change to your fantasy team from that. And that is your Monday card. Before my voice completely craps out here at the end of the podcast, thank you all for bearing with me on this. I know it sounds like I'm crumping here on air. I promise it'll be okay. You just got to st stick with me until we can get there. I am Dan Bespris at D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S on Twitter. This was Fantasy NBA Today, a sports ethos presentation. I'm going to go pour warm liquid down my throat, which sounds way grosser when you say it in an audio format podcast than what it actually means. But uh, stay healthy, everybody. <laughs> we'll talk to you first thing tomorrow. So long, friends.